Amen. I'm pretty sure, Brother Andrew, I'm pretty sure your wife wants a horse more than she wants a harp for all of eternity. That's all I'm saying. Um, I mean, you know, I just figure I want one of those white horses he's giving away, uh, you know, and those that are faithful and get to, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, I'd rather have a horse than sit up there and strum some weird harp. I don't even, I mean, come on. I know I got I know I got plenty of uh, of support on that. I've got I've got Nancy and Jan and Hannah is even on my side, so we're good. We're all set. If you would grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter one. I'm going to preach a uh, ten point message today. All right, I will split it. All right, um, it's fun. This message just kept growing, and so I kind of. I was like, well, I could, I could simplify it and cut it down to just the three. And the, but there's so much good stuff. I was like, I'll just preach it all day. I figure you're coming back anyways, right? You want turkey and ham and all the trimmings and all that good stuff anyways. You'll probably be back for dinner. No point in leaving. Just stick around. You can hear the rest of the message. All right, Romans chapter 1, really familiar spot probably to everybody. And uh, I'm, uh, you see the Apostle Paul writing in verse number 13. And he says this, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, Paul is making this declaration, and it's strange, repeatedly throughout the Pauline epistles, you find him using a phrase, actually, that Jesus Christ used himself. Uh, he uses the phrase, I am. Jesus Christ used that repeatedly, right? I am the door, I am the vine, I am the good shepherd. I, he does that over and over again to give a picture of what he's doing. But the Apostle Paul, as he does this through uh, the, the uh, epistles to the churches, he writes it and he writes it over and over again. I am this and I am that. You can see three of them right here in, in just a few verses. He says, I'm a debtor. He says, I'm ready to preach. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Just right here, that's what, that was going to be the start of the message. But I ran into so many other great things that I, I had to keep going. And he truly continues that thought. In fact, he continues it all the way out uh, through all of them. Uh, almost all of them include uh, that phrase, I am. Uh, there are very few exceptions. He does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll get there eventually, is uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, it's only by God's graces that we are what we are. Uh, it's the grace of God that you even get to breathe a breath in this life. Uh, it's the grace of God that saves you and puts you into the body of Jesus Christ and you've, get, you've been given eternal life and that free gift is given by the grace of God. Uh, you, the only reason you're here today is because God is gracious and He's merciful and He's long-suffering. Uh, and you are what you are by His graces. Uh, you're, you're as tall as you are because of His graces. That's all part of it. Pastor Legault got into some dangerous territory in Sunday school. He said 150 pounds, and then he referenced women's weights, and I refuse to do that today, all right? That is a scary moment right there. I didn't know if he was going to get killed or not. I thought he was dead on Pastor I thought he's done. He's done. He made it this far. It's over with. He's a dead man. Um, but 
Uh, you say, I didn't hear that. You should listen to Sunday school. You'll, you'll be impressed at how he tried to navigate through those shark-infested waters right there. And uh, I said, man, that was dangerous right there. He might escape alive. Um, but so far, so good. He's still, he's still with us. Uh, and what, what's the, we are what we are. Now, we can make excuses for what we are. We can try to want to be something that we're not. We can try to be who we used to be before he saved us. We can try, there's a whole lot of things. But the truth is we are what we are because of the grace of God. And you allowing that grace to work in your life. The problem is we don't let it work. We don't let, you know, patience have her perfect work. We don't let the grace of God mold us and move us and change us. Instead, we stay what we want to be and we do not accomplish what God wants us to accomplish because we refuse to let Him work through us. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, we resist the work He's trying to do in us and we do not gain what He wants us to gain. He's gracious. So how do you know? Because He gave you another try. Right? We're here. We get to try again. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. And because of those graces, he has put some things together. And this morning, uh, you notice that phrase he says in verse number 15, I am ready to preach the gospel. I think most of our big, our big issue is that we are not what we are supposed to be. We are not what we are supposed to be. And that is why we don't give out the gospel. We're not ready to preach it. How, I, don't, don't raise your hand. We all raise our hands. All right. Has there ever been a time where you, about five seconds after, went, I should have given the gospel right there? Right? I mean, we've all been there. Everybody's been, but we weren't ready. We weren't ready right then. There was something wrong in our preparations. We understand when you get to the gospel, I'm sorry, when you get to the armor, your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's not the gospel of peace itself, you already have that. It's prepared to go and give it. That's why they're on your feet. Uh, that's why Matthew 28, right? We're supposed to go. Mark chapter 16, we're supposed to go. Acts chapter 1, we're supposed to go. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why it's on your feet. The gospel is supposed to go out. But we aren't ready to give it. The preparation isn't there. And I think the reason, part of the reason that it's not there is because we aren't what we're supposed to be and we lack the confidence to give it. And the Apostle Paul was not lacking in boldness. <laughs> he may have been lacking in some other areas, but he was not lacking in boldness. But also, get this, he asked people pray for his boldness. He asked God for boldness. He wanted to be bold in a world that would stand against him, and he knew it. And so we're gonna, I'm going to just preach on being prepared to preach the gospel today. And uh, it'll be this morning and it'll be this evening. We'll see how far we get this morning and then we'll close it up for the evening. But uh, there's, ten, there's ten things I want you to see that I think affected the way that he could give the gospel. I think it affects the way we give the gospel. Some of it's our mindset. Some of it's our actions. Some of it, there's all sorts of pieces and you're going to see those pieces. But we have limitations on giving out the gospel and being ready to do that because we are not who we should be. And Paul looks around and he says, I am, and he gets it. 
And you and I, sometimes we go, I'm not that. If we would be honest with ourselves, our answer would be, I am not what I should be. I'm not what I could be. If I would have applied myself better, right? Uh, you know, we're in school. You go to school. I went, you know, you go to high school. You go to wherever it is, whether it's secular or whether it's a Christian school or whether it's homeschooling. If you would apply yourself, you, all, you already know you'd be better at it. You'd have gotten more if I'd have just applied myself. If I'd have just taken the time to actually focus and do what I was supposed to do, I probably would be better at these things. Well, it's the same way in the Christian life. You can, you can let it sit there and you can just come and pick it up when it's convenient and God will let you do some of those things. But if you'd apply yourself, you'd focus on those things. You know what we would gain? We would gain being what we ought to be as opposed to what we just kind of accidentally became. And it's the grace of God that allows it. Let's pray and uh, we'll get into the message this morning. Father, I pray you would give me wisdom, Lord, as I speak. Help me to speak it clearly. Lord, the words of God just would go forth. I pray that you'd help me not to say anything I shouldn't, that I wouldn't overstep. And Lord, say something out of place. Lord, that Jesus Christ would be praised this morning. Father, we have come together to hear the word of God preached and to, Lord, grow and to see some things and Father, I pray you would lighten our eyes to the glorious book that you've given us. Lord, I pray, Father, if someone here is lost, I don't know of anybody, but Father, you could uh, definitely be able, you would know, Father, if somebody's lost in here this morning, I pray they would realize they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. They'd call upon him today. Father, I pray you would bless all the activity today. I know we've got a lot happening, and I pray that it would be all done to your praise. Father, you're the one who's worthy of all the glory and the honor and the, and the adoration and the Father, the greatness is of you and not of us. And so, Father, I pray once again you'd bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to see, there was this mindset he has in verse number 14. He starts off and says, I am a debtor. <laughs> well, if you're going to be a preacher of the gospel, if you're going to be ready to preach the gospel, you know what you're going to have to recognize? You're a debtor. There is something that you owe that, that nobody else may understand, but you should understand. Not only are you a debtor to the Lord Jesus Christ because he paid the debt of all of your sins and he laid down his life a ransom for many. He did the one thing you and I could never do and that's pay for our own sins outside of going to a lake of fire for all of eternity. He goes ahead and substitutes his payment, his righteousness for your unrighteousness and he goes ahead and saves you for all of eternity. But not only on that side, yes, we're a debtor to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to serve him. We ought to walk with him. We ought to know him. We ought to have a relationship with him. We ought to do all those things. But not only that, you're a debtor. Notice, he didn't say I'm a debtor to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says I'm a debtor. Well, who's he in debt to? Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Say, who are they? Those are lost people. <laughs> the civilized and the uncivilized. The smart ones and the not so smart ones. <laughs> everybody. He's a debtor to everybody else. You say, that doesn't make any sense. What does he owe them? He owes them the truth of the gospel. That's what he owes them. You are indebted to the world to let them know there is a Savior because you got a Savior. Pastor was preaching about it, I think, on Wednesday night, talking about us being beggars and beggarly and getting down and understanding we don't deserve anything that we've gotten. 
We don't deserve salvation. We don't, know, we don't deserve the goodness of God. We don't deserve the mercy of God. We don't deserve the long-suffering of God. You and I should be dead in the ground, burning in hell for all of eternity. That's what you and I deserve. But the problem is we get in the mindset that we deserve whatever it is that we have, and we certainly deserve more than we already got. That's the society we live in. The society is give, give, give. <laughs> Bunch of horse leeches daughters out there, right? Crying, give, give. Bunch, bunch of prodigals, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Just give it to me. Just keep giving it to me. Just keep giving it to me because they're just consumers. They don't understand. No, you're, you're indebted. You're indebted. And a lost world deserves to hear the gospel. Not because of you, but because of who saved you for all of eternity. You're indebted because you have eternal life and they don't. You're indebted because your sins are forgiven forever and they have no idea that could happen. You're indebted because, you know what, you didn't pay the price, he did. You're indebted because he paid their price and he wants you to tell them. But we don't think that we're in debt. We think we came out on the high side of all this. We're the beneficiaries of everything. And we are. Forget not all his benefits. We got tons of them. We got tons and tons of benefits. I mean, you, got, you got more benefits than we could ever reckon in order. Uh, you, there's no way you could list all of the greatness of who God has been to you personally, no matter how long you've known him or not known him. Because before you got saved, he was still benefiting you. And then he saved you and he benefited you out of this world with salvation and all the blessings that go along with it. But that doesn't make you not a debtor to a world that needs a Savior. You're debted to tell them. But we don't think of it that way. We go, oh, well, you know, I'm okay. I'm fine, so what do I have to worry about? You've forgotten there's a debt. There's a debt that was paid for you, and there's a debt that you're deserving to pay for them. Go out and let them know. But instead, we... Go ahead and carry on. And that's why you're not ready to preach the gospel. You don't think you're in debt. When you're indebted, you know what you keep getting? Bills. Right? You get another reminder. Hey, you better pay that. Hey, you better pay that. Hey, you better pay that. Now, eventually, by the way, what does it do? It goes to collection. Scary reality? What if God decided he needed to collect you because you wouldn't pay your debt? You are ready to give. You weren't ready to do. You weren't ready to go for it. Okay, well, you don't want to pay. Well, I guess I'll collect. Pastor said it repeatedly. You've heard Pastor Legault say it over and over. If he won't get glory out of your life, he'll get it out of your death. That's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. He's a debtor. Are you a debtor? I've never thought about it that way. Paul did. I'm a debtor to those lost people. I've got something they don't have, and they need to know. Realize you have information that a lost world does not know or understand? Well, they won't accept it. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. 
You ever, you ever find somebody who, who needs something and you go ahead and you try to give it to them and they're like, oh, let me pay for it. And you're like, no, no, let me give it to you. And they're like, no, 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 let me pay for it. They won't accept. So what do you do? You throw it at them and you run away. No, um, right? The idea, if they want salvation, if they don't know that it's there and offered, how do they receive it? How shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to know to receive it unless you pay a debt? Well, they don't know. Doesn't matter. Well, what if they don't take? That doesn't matter. The debt is not that they have to receive it. The debt is you have to tell them. That's the debt. The debt isn't force them to do it. The debt is I just need to tell them what great things the Lord hath done for me. And you're a debtor to the people you like and the people you don't like. The people that you would hang around and the people you'd never even talk to. You're a debtor still. But we don't see it that way. God does. Paul did. You know, our second problem, not only are we, are we supposed to be a debtor, verse number 16, he makes that one real clear. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, you know, we need, we need to be unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of the message you and I are going to preach. Unashamed of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Unashamed knowing that Jesus Christ can save to the uttermost if they would trust Him. If they would trust Him, you and I could have a life where they would understand, hey, guess what? Uh, you don't have to pay for your own sins. Jesus did. That's the power of God. You realize the power of God reached down and made you clean? You couldn't get clean. You were a mess. I was a mess. So I was only seven when I got saved. You were a mess. You were a mess. I was a mess. We were messes. God said, don't worry, I can clean that. I can clean. I can wash that. We can fix that. The power of God changes your life. It is the thing that makes you a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled the Son to Himself. It is God who goes ahead and makes it so that you and I have the power of God in our lives to change our lives and to make it so that you and I would understand we're debtors. The power of God came in and then it made us a debtor to somebody else. And this gospel is the thing that saved us. Oh, you're one of those, you're one of those street preachers. You're out on the streets all the time yelling at people. I'm fine with that. Fine with that. We get articles written about us. We had a good one and a bad one. Feel free, look back at the Oswegonian, the one from the SUNY Oswego. One, one gave a wonderful representation. And by the way, I don't know how many times the gospel was in the article. I gave it to her a bunch of times. The other one didn't interview any of us and made judgments and false claims in her article. You say, does that bother you? Nope. Doesn't bother me a bit. Well, doesn't that look bad? Nope. <laughs> You're going to see that here in a little bit. You know what Paul's statement is? Some preach Christ of contention. <laughs> but it doesn't matter to me. Why? Because as long as Christ is named, we're good. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You get bad publicity, and people oftentimes want to find out what all the fuss is about. <laughs> so what's the big deal? Oh, well, you know, they don't like us. 
They're not supposed to like you. Uh, if, you if you're looking for the world to be your friend, you're in the wrong business, all right? Uh, you're, you're in the wrong family now after Christ adopted you. You haven't, there's, there's no reason. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Uh, you you want to be the friend of the world, go ahead. But notice this, you're going to alienate yourself from God and become his enemy. That's, that's the difference. The difference is that you can go ahead and, not be ashamed of the gospel, and you can choose where you stand. That's why I like street preaching so much. Street preaching is so much uh, fun for me on that side is that it is very clear where the line was drawn. That's, if you're a witness at work, it's very clear where the line is drawn for you. If you're a witness at school, if you're a witness at college, if you're a witness wherever you go, you know, immediately there's this line that's drawn between you and a lost world. Why? Because you're unashamed to stand with Jesus Christ. The gospel is there, and whether or not they take it, whether or not they accept it, whether or not they recognize they need to accept and go ahead and do so, it doesn't make it. The line is drawn in the sand, and you just went, I'm on this side, everybody else that's not is over there. And they know where you stand. The world gets wishy-washy with their stands. The Christian shouldn't be. Stand unashamed. Of what? Of the gospel. It's the thing that saved you for all of eternity. Why, why should you be ashamed of that? But too many are. I'm a debtor. I'm not ashamed. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. I'm hoping to get through at least half of them this morning, all right? That way we got light duty at least tonight, maybe. So here's number three. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to pick it up in verse 19. He's talking about preaching the gospel. And he says this in verse number 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Debtor. How about that? That I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as, being, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul goes, you know what I am? I am become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now notice he's not lawless. He may go to the lawless, but his answer is, I'm still subject to the law of God and of Christ. I still have moral character. I don't, I don't go outside the bounds of what I shouldn't do to go ahead and win them, right? This isn't, I am become all things to all men, so I sit down at the bar and I drink with them. That's not the answer, right? It's not that style, all right? It's not, oh, well, you know, they're just out partying, so I'm going to go party with them so I can win them. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. You say, what is he doing? He's adapting to the people he's talking to, understanding with wisdom what will help them as opposed to hurt them. 
The Jews are not going to listen to some Gentile tell them what the, what the Bible is. <laughs> right? Well, Paul's a Jew. So you know what he says to the Jews? I became a Jew. So what did he do? He abstained from anything that, you, that the Jews would abstain from. And he'd walk into the temple and he would do what he needed to do to win the Jews to Jesus Christ. But then when he was out with the Gentiles, you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't keeping these weird sacramental laws that he didn't have to keep. He's not under the law. He doesn't have to keep those things. So what does he do? He says, well, Colossians, right? Uh, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and so on. He, did all, he goes, so Jesus Christ took care of that. So I can walk out with the Gentiles because a Jew can't do that. They can't fellowship with the Gentile. They're supposed to be separate. So the Jewish people would stay separate, but Paul didn't. Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. And he went to a lost world to go and tell them of Jesus Christ. You know what he's doing? He is separating himself into the situation that he's in and goes ahead and deals with them where they are. He doesn't have to live like them. He doesn't have to compromise all of his standards and all the things. That's not the point. The point was, I can reach somebody where they are. I will figure out a way to relate to them personally to be able to win them. It's fun. You go out on visitation. If you go on visitation this, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, we've gone on visitation to plenty of houses, knocked on doors. We've done all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know what you do? You're walking up to a house. You know what you do? You start looking around the house. You look at the front of the house first. If there's kids' toys outside, you know, they've got the little playhouse, they've got bikes, they've got this, they've got that, you know one thing. They've got a family. It's not some loner sitting in the house all by himself. He's got kids. He's got this. He's got that. There's probably a whole family there. It could be a single mom. could be a single dad. But it, more than likely, there's some sort of a family. You know they've got kids around. You knock on the door. Yo, what do you do? Hey, you know, hi, I'm Pastor Caleb Kenny. I'm from Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church. Just wanted to invite you out. And I noticed all these kids' toys. We've got lots of kids in our church. Exploiting the children. No, you know what we know as parents? I want something for my kids to get close to God. Right? I want something that's age appropriate that can help them understand that there is a God. And so, so if there's any recognition, the first thing they think about is, is there anything for my kids? You hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. We were going to this other church and then we came to your church and it's just so nice to have things for the kids. Whether it's youth group or whether it's junior church or whether it's just having nursery. Uh, you go to some churches, they don't even have a nursery because they don't have any little kids. They don't have a baby to go in the nursery. That's, that's the situation in New Hampshire where we were. I know Tanya's dealt with that when James and Tanya have gone out of town. They just go to the nursery with the littlest kids because there's nobody else. There's nobody else there. People don't understand how blessed we are to have a nursery full of kids and people having, people go, oh, well, I got to work in nursery. Praise the Lord, you're in a church where you get to work in a nursery. Because most of the time, churches are dying and they don't have any young people and they're all 905 years old sitting in the pews and they're ready to turn to dust. And you're like, what are we doing? So <laughs> that sounds terrible. That's, you go to, go to some churches. Feel, you visit a church, you go out of town, you go visit the church, and you go, 
Wow. The Lord's blessed. The truth is we have different things that other churches can't do. They're not our size. They don't have the people. They don't have somebody to do that. And they don't have people willing to do that. And So it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We're not only are we not ashamed of the gospel, but we also get to go ahead and try to become all things so that you find what they have that you have in common and be able to deal with them. You realize you deal with Catholics, you deal with certain people. You know what they all have? They all have Jesus Christ. They, have, they know who he is. They don't understand what he did for them, and they don't understand, and he's a little bit of a different Jesus than what you and I know him as. All right? I get that. But they believe in the virgin birth. Now they got it messed up. I know. All right? But they do believe it. They do believe Jesus was sinless. They do believe he died. They do believe he rose again. Well, I mean, that's a good start right there. Hey, we preach all those things at our church. We deal with those things. We know what sin is. You can deal with them. So what are you doing? Appealing to what they know. Who they are. Find out what they are. Find out what they like. You're walking up to the front door and they got a big giant flag out there that says, Cowboys, you turn around and walk. No. Um, uh, I don't know where Dave is. I lost Dave awkward. Anyways, uh, right? You just turn and walk. No. Um, right? You know, hey, that guy likes football. Football is not the gospel. No, football is your starting point. The gospel comes later. You realize most people are not going to take a complete stranger and go, that guy uh, gave me the gospel. I'm just going to pray and accept it right now. I mean, we've known each other for all of seven minutes. I'm going to pray and trust Christ as my Savior because I have no idea who you are. Right? So what do they want? They want a connection. So give them the connection. So that you can then give them the gospel. I get that we need to get the gospel. But sometimes we jump to the gospel before we ever had a connection and became all things to all men. We didn't afford ourselves an opportunity to give them the gospel in a way that they could accept it because we didn't become a friend of theirs or at least an acquaintance. Someone who they know, hey, that guy, he may know what he's talking about. That lady, she's pretty sharp. She seems like she's got some things together. Hey, I'm going through these troubles and they were wanting to help me and become all things to all men. But that takes time. And many people aren't willing to give up their time. Well, why would I become all things to all men? That I might by all means save some. You know, it's strange. He, uh, he says back there in Romans chapter 1, he says that, uh, uh, I'm going to get the quote wrong, so I'm going to jump back. He says, uh, verse number 15, So as much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel. <laughs> Every, we know what that means, right? That's an old way to say it, but that's everything I got. I'm going to give 110%. I'm going to leave it all on the field. Whatever wonderful cliche you'd like to slide in there, right? I'm going to give it all. <sighs> I am ready to preach the gospel because I am willing to do everything I can to give somebody the gospel. They like cars. They like fishing. They like... You say, well, I don't know anything about a lot of that stuff. Ask them questions. 
By the way, you know what's wonderful is asking questions that know what they're talking about, give you a nice, wonderful education on something you don't know, and you can use that later to help somebody else again. But it also makes that person feel like, hey, you're interested in what I know. You ever have somebody ask you what you know on something, and you're like, oh, well, I mean, gives them a little boost, lets them know you care about what they think, what they have, what they, it gives them a connection with you so that you can give them the gospel. You say, oh, this just seems, this just seems so easy. It's not hard. Take a look around. They say something. They do something. They act a certain way. Figure out what they're interested in. You can figure out by what they're doing and how they live. You can figure out some things. You just actually have to pay attention. And sometimes we, we're so busy, we don't take the time to pay attention, and we don't take the time to get to know somebody at all. We're so quick to go past it. And Paul's like, I'm ready to preach the gospel because I am ready to become all things to all men. I'll do what I need to just so I can get the open door to get them the gospel. Not do anything wrong, not do anything wicked, not do anything terrible, but look those opportunities up and go, hey, there's another chance. They come into work, they're miserable, they're awful, they're terrible. You walk up, hey, uh, listen, I notice things aren't going so good. I don't need to know what's going on, but I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you today. And just leave it. Hey, they could get offended at me. Most people, if they're going through problems, anybody praying for them, they don't mind. Say, so, yeah, but there's a chance. Okay. Look over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, the, the, the most notable portion of Ephesians chapter 6, right, is the armor, Right? He's, standing, he's talking about the armor, and there he is. He's going through. And he makes this statement here in verse number 18. Right? He asks for prayer, praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, you, don't, you, need, you don't need to know. Hey, you're an ambassador. Be an ambassador. So what's an ambassador? Somebody who represents a foreign country on foreign soil. They leave their home, and they stand there in front of the rest of the world ultimately, but that nation in particular, as a representative of who they are representing, their king, their president, their ruler. That's us. We already know, you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he makes us a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away. He commits unto us the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation is given to us. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. We know the spots. And the ambassador stands there and you say, what's he supposed to do? Represent the best of his country. That's his job. His job is to represent the interests of the country he is representing. His job is to represent the best of what that country has to offer. His job is to not have to utilize diplomatic immunity as much as they would love to. You don't get to do that. 
Your job is supposed to be blameless in the place that you are. If you're going to be a good ambassador, you're not supposed to be caught up in something you're not supposed to be in. You're a foreign dignitary, stepping on foreign soil. Well, that's the Christian. This world is not my home. One day we're leaving. One day we're gone. He will call all of his ambassadors home. For the record, that happens right before war. Anyways, that'll pull me way into some stuff, but that would be fun. Um, I'll let Pastor Legault take care of preaching that. Uh, no, we're, we're ambassadors. Say, so who are we representing? Our king. The captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a reputation that we should uphold. We have a character we should uphold. There are certain things about our walk and our life, and one of those things is boldness. Now, oftentimes, that's not talked about as the Christian life. The Christian life is not all about you know, being bold. Well, the righteous are bold as a lion. In Acts, they took knowledge of them, that talking to Peter and John, that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because of their boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. There's an earmark to being a Christian. Part of that is boldness. As an ambassador, you should have boldness because you know the one you're representing. You know what he wants you to do. His instructions are clear. This isn't muddy waters. You aren't unsure of what you're representing or who you're representing or how you should represent him. That is not even in question. If it is, you ought to read a Bible sometime. The orders are pretty specific and they're pretty easy to follow. And he goes ahead and lets us know, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and, by the way, be committed to good works. I want you to do well. I want you to live right. I want you to be forgiving. I want you to be kind. I want you to have charity. I want you to be long-suffering. I want you, by the way, to display all of the fruit of the Spirit. I want you, this is what I want. And by the way, while you're doing that, I want to make sure you give the gospel. I have one message, one solitary message. By the way, Paul is ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, meaning he wants to show up and preach to the lost and to the saved, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that do? You ever hear a message on Jesus Christ and him giving his life for you and just somebody preaching on the gospel? We do, we do, you know, the Lord's table, communion, whatever you want to call it, right? We do that. And how many times does that bless you hearing about what Jesus did for you? It's, just, it's an amazing reminder. Oh, people preach the gospel too much. I don't rightly know how that's possible. I was working on a message this morning, just was the gospel, but the Lord changed my mind. So we didn't do it. The gospel is the best thing you and I have ever had knowledge of in our lives. That's it. <laughs> and you know what it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be our clearest message as an ambassador. The job he gave us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the ministry of reconciliation trying to reconcile a lost world to a God who is holy and clean and pure and perfect by Jesus Christ, because he's the only means that can make that work. Introducing him to the greatest person you've ever met. Introducing him to the only Savior the world will ever know. Introducing him, you, you know, 
It's funny. Uh, you meet a famous person, right? A sports figure, a movie star, uh, whatever. You know, you meet somebody famous. Everybody wants. You think everybody cares that you you did that, right? And so they they right they take the picture and they talk about how wonderful, right? And they're like, oh hey yeah, I met so and so. Oh, it's the best time. Oh, they're so nice. They're wonderful people. It's wonderful, fantastic. Yeah, this is great. And then nobody cares. Nobody really cares. It's great for you, you met him. Nobody really cares. Let's just face it. It's like your Facebook post. Nobody cares. All right? I don't care what you ate, and they don't care. Anyways. Um, you know, it's strange. We brag about those meetings, and you met the God of the universe. And you don't seem to care to tell about him. That makes you not so good of an ambassador. Makes me not a good one either. Because we don't, he is our soul, he is our soul message. You know, you could get a whole lot of things wrong, but if you are right on him, the rest he'll fix later. Say, oh, your doctrine's wrong on this, and your doctrine's wrong on that. Okay, but if my doctrine's right on Jesus Christ, I at least don't have eternity to worry about. A lost world, you go, well, what if they don't come to church? What if they don't, you know, change their life? What if they don't do these things? Stop worrying about that part. <laughs> your job is not to make them conform to whatever it is you think Jesus Christ wants them conformed to. His job is to conform them to the image of His dear Son. Your job is just to tell them that He can change their life, that He can save them for all of eternity, that He can wash them in the blood of the Lamb, that He can fix it. <laughs> and what they do with it is their choice. But you're representing the God of the universe to a world who needs Him. Galatians chapter 2. You all knew I was going here. If you didn't, I'm shocked more that you didn't know I was going to go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20 than anything else. Galatians 2, of course, verse number 20, very familiar. Number 5. I made it to the halfway point. All right. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Still tied to the gospel. How about that? Christ's death for you. He says, hey, you know what? I'm crucified. I think one of the reasons you and I aren't a better witness at times, one of the reasons we're not ready to preach the gospel is very simple. Our will is still in play. What I want to get done today is still there. What I could accomplish and what I need to get done and I'm too busy and I'm too this and I'm too that and I'm too much of a scaredy cat and I'm, I'm too nervous around people and I don't know how to talk to folks and I'm not really personable and I, I don't know how to be hospitable and I don't know how to start a conversation and I always seem to get tongue-tied in front of people. How many more excuses do you want to throw up there? The problem is you're not crucified. I make those same excuses. You know what the problem is? I'm not crucified. 
My will is getting in the way. What I think is great is getting in the way because it's not great. It's me. It's my failings. It's my frailties. It's my fears. It's my concerns. It's my thoughts on the matter. And God's like, no, I don't want any of yours. I told you what I want. And we go, yeah, but he's like, could you just get out of my way for a minute? If you got out of my way, we could get something done. But instead we go, I just, well, uh, we, we, we get in the way so often and Paul goes, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And I know this doesn't mean exactly that, all right, I promise. But in my head, the first thing I think of is Jesus Christ standing there going, would you just tell him? Like, I just, that's, you know, the Lord's just frustrated. Like, would you just say something already? Do something with what I gave you. Good night. Come on, man. Help us out. But that's, what, that's our problem. What are we doing? I think half the time we frustrate him. <laughs> this is like, I gave you salvation. I gave you the greatest thing you'll ever get. I told you. I ordered you to tell everybody. <laughs> I gave you my spirit inside of you to lead and guide you and to do all. And I am literally giving you all the opening you could possibly take and you still won't take it. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's frustrating. You say, what's in the way? I'm in the way. I get in the way more times than I can count. I think if you think back to the time you failed to be a witness, most of those times are I got in the way. I didn't yield. I didn't crucify. I didn't put me down and instead give him, uh, put him up and glorify him. Oftentimes, this is probably, this may be the biggest problem you and I have at being a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ is very simply, we get in our own head in the way. We don't let him have preeminence. We don't let him lead. We don't let him guide. We go ahead and say, uh, I'm going to take the throne for a minute just because I don't like the direction you want me to go. I'm not prepared because I'm too nervous about all the other things. You realize, I'll get to the rest of this tonight, I think. I'm going to stop after this. But you realize, one, if you're ashamed of the gospel, when he asks you to tell it, you won't. If you don't realize you're a debtor, well, why should I tell them? I mean, look at them. They're scruffy. Big old biker dude. Oh, they got all those tattoos. Yeah, all these piercings all over him. They got this. She's dressed like that. He looks like this. Oh, it's just a bum. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, wait, they're in this business suit. They probably won't even care. It's all parts of the spectrum. You find a way to make the excuse so because you go, well, I'm not a debtor to them. I don't need to tell them. And then we're not ashamed. Uh, or we become ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then we go, well, I don't want to become that. I don't want to take the time to get to know somebody like that. I don't want to take the time, somebody I don't know, invest time and effort. and So I won't become all things to all men. That's all just you holding on to what you want. And not being willing to resign to what God wants. And we look around and we go, well, I, I, you know, I mean, I know I should be an ambassador, but I want to live like I want to live. And your testimony is lousy because <laughs> you haven't been a very good ambassador. You've been taking advantage of the fact that you have immunity. And the world sees your testimony and how terrible it is and they go, why would I want that? 
Or we go ahead and say, well, I mean, it's not my job to tell them. And he says, yes, it is. You've got the ministry of reconciliation. You're my ambassador. So what's the big problem? The big problem is you and I aren't crucified. That flesh is still going ahead and running what it wants to run and doing what it wants to do. You know what Paul had to say? I am crucified. I am crucified. I am a debtor. I am unashamed. I am become all things. I am an ambassador. I'm crucified. By the grace of God, I am what I am. God can make you all those things. He can. You and I stop him. We don't allow the process to continue. We put, it, we put the brakes on it. We stop it. We stop the word of God from going out. We stop the gospel from being preached. It is on you and I. It is not on anybody else. We're going to come up to the Faith Promise Missions Conference in a couple weeks. We do worldwide missions. You know what hinders what God can do here? What we decide to give. Now, I'm not telling you, well, then you better write down $100 million. Like, obvious, right? But if you'd be willing to do what he asked, I don't know what he's going to ask you to do. It's not my job to know what he's going to ask you to do. My job to ask him, what do you want me to do? And I submit to what he wants me to do. But for you, you realize part of this is I'm going to crucify myself and I'm going to give what he asked me to give. Because your flesh will go, you can't live on that. <laughs> your flesh will go, no, give them, give them less. You can, you can still do it, just, just not that much. It's funny. I'm going to end with this illustration, I promise. It's funny. This guy who was, uh, he was a wealthy man. He was known as being kind of a miser, you know, kind of a, that penny pincher guy. And he got saved. And this poor guy was getting to be near Christmas time. And this poor man, he, he had a family, he had everything, but he didn't have any money, he didn't have anything. And the guy got in his head, out of ham, out of my smokehouse. And the devil says, you don't want to give him a ham. And he says, yeah, I do. And he walks into the smokehouse and he goes, just give him one of those little ones. I mean, if you're going to give him one, don't give him a big one. And he reaches for the biggest one in there. And the devil says, don't, don't, come on, give him a small one. Don't give him that big one. He says, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to give him all my hams. Say, <laughs> so what's our problem? I want my hams. I want what I want. I want to do it my way. And God says, do it my way. Do it my way. We'll get a whole lot more done if you do it my way. I find that I am better at giving the gospel when I do it his way. It's just every time. Every time. The openings are there. The opportunities are there. The things There are still people in this world looking for a Savior and they have no idea. There's people right here, local, that need a Savior. They're scared. They have no idea what's happening. We've got bombs going off everywhere over in Israel. We've got all sorts of attacks and all sorts of things, and they're looking. 
But are you ready to give out the gospel? Or are you just contented with, I got to get done what I got to get done? Let's go ahead and stand. Now, I haven't, I preached on the gospel, but I didn't really give the gospel much. Maybe you're in here today, I do want to mention this. That Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the only means of salvation. He died for your sins. He was buried and arose again to pay the debt of all of your sins and to give you eternal life. Salvation is a free gift by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Trusting Him alone to pay the debt of all of your sins. Believe that He died for you. That you don't deserve heaven, but because of Jesus Christ, you can have heaven by accepting His gift and trusting Him alone. If you've never done that, Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. It's now. Now is the day of salvation. You can have it. It's not something you get later. It's something you can have today. Christian, if you're in here, maybe you recognize some things that have gotten in the way from you telling somebody that gospel. Maybe there's some things that you go, boy, Lord, I wish I could have. Or maybe there's somebody on your mind that the Lord has been touching you on this morning just saying, hey, you need to go talk to them. You need to go talk to them again. You need to tell them one more time. Or maybe you need to tell them the first time. Don't delay it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't make the excuse. Crucify yourself and say, okay, God, I'll do that for you. The Lord's dealing with you. The altars are open. We'll gladly take a Bible if you're lost and show you how you can know you have eternal life. And if you're saved, maybe you need to come. Father, I do pray you would bless our day today. Father, we love you and we do pray you would bless the invitation now. I don't know if someone here is lost, but if they are, I pray you'd give them the courage to come forward and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray you would give Christians boldness. Father, we are living in an evil day, in a day where, Father, people just are hostile to everything. But Father, I pray you'd give us boldness to stand and having done all to stand in an evil day. Father, we love you and we pray you get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.